The following Dharma talk was given by Jody Hojin Kimmel at the Zen Center of New York City. Hojin Sensei is the abbot of the Zen Center and head priest at Zen Mountain Monastery. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org slash zcnyc. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Well, um, for the past eight or so years, when I wake up in the morning, I put my hands palm to palm together in gasho, no matter what, as my eyes open. And I say, I am grateful to be alive. And I just let that soak in. I may not feel that way when I wake up. I just say it. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I am grateful to be alive. And then I recite the five remembrances, which might sound like terrible news for the untrained ear. <laughs> kind of a buzzkill after buzzkill. <laughs> but in truth, they do shape our path, shape our life to remember. I am of the nature to grow old. There's no way I can escape old age. I am of the nature to grow ill. There's no way to escape sickness. I am of the nature to die. There is no way to escape death. I will be separated from everything I hold dear. And everyone I hold dear. Let's take that in. I will inherit the results of my body of my actions, of my mouth, my speech, and my mind. My actions are my continuation. Okay, let's have a cup of tea. Put the feet on the floor. It puts everything into perspective, doesn't it? Hmm. And Buddha asks, why do we need to reflect on these? He says, because we will do things that will make ourselves and others suffer. And it spurs us to practice. It spurs us to practice. Remembering, reciting, revisiting these five remembrances. Somehow when I was working on this, I suddenly got earth, wind, and fire come to mind. Do you remember? <laughs> da, 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 da. Anyway. Ba, de, de, ba, de, de. Do you remember? Yeah. 
So they can help us take care of our fears as well to remember. So we can breathe mindfully if we remember. And to establish ourselves with stability, with groundedness in our life as we contemplate them. And it might be sound like a buzzkill, but actually growing old has some perks. <laughs> In case you haven't noticed. And, you know, we, we will get, and I'm not talking about a cold, we will have some sickness come to us, right? I was reading to the art group I do on Zoom um, a line from T.S. Eliot's poem, Burnt Norton, and you might know it. He says, there's this line I love. He says, humankind cannot bear much reality. It's a great line. And these five observations were spoken by the Buddha in um, the Upajhana Sutta. And they do require us to bear a great deal. Yeah. And Zen teachings, of course, bring this to mind all the time and say we will be benefited by observing that they are happening, right? And I remember the first time I heard them um, many years ago in practice, they kind of skimmed the top. It was just more like a yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I will grow, I'm the nature to grow old. It was kind of on a knowing level. I am of the nature to grow old. I am the nature to grow ill. I am the nature to die. I'll lose everything. I can't take anything with me. My actions are all that will continue. And I, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Then, uh, then there's moments where just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then it just kind of informs what we do, you know, what we say what we want to continue. And that bringing these to mind far outweighs how uncomfortable we might feel from hearing them. And this ongo, of course, we're studying birth and death, undivided life, the Mahaparinirvana Sutta of the Buddha, the Buddha's last words when he was coming to the last hours of his life. And he said to contemplate these signs of our sentient existence. It's what we're working with in art practice, too. What is birth? What is aging? What is sickness? And uh, Thanissarabhikkhu um, speaks to us, saying, Remember, remember, aging is normal for me. It's normal. Illness is normal. Death is normal. Yes, I will be separated from what I hold near and dear. And only what I have is how I act. I remember Dido used to always say, what you do and what happens to you are the same thing. That's taken a long time to kind of feel that, experience that. What you do... And what happens to you are the same thing. Does it feel comforting to bring them out? It does to me. It hadn't always. 
does now. And perhaps for many of us growing up, nothing was mentioned about any of this. (laughs) I mean, we had our encounters, um, but I don't remember ever being sat down to and being told about these things about life. Wasn't in school, for sure. Today, class, I'd like to tell you the five remembrances. Nope. It's kind of pushed under the rug. Let's not pretend. I heard a story of a little boy who who said to his mother, Mom, pretend you are surrounded by hungry tigers all wanting to devour you. What would you do? Pretend you're surrounded by hungry tires, tigers all waiting to devour you. What would you do? And she said, oh, I would be terrified. I wouldn't know what to do. And she said to her son, what would you do? And the little boy replied, I'd stop pretending. I'd stop pretending. And if... I had this group from Vermont here from a Montessori school. They were 13 through 15-year-olds. And they said, what is Buddhism about? (laughs) I was just like, where do I go with that one? Uh, It's like, here, this is what Buddhism is about. And then if we blend that with loving kindness for the fear that may arise, we could say, I am of the nature to grow old. There is no way to escape growing old. May I allow my life to flow. May I recognize and treasure the abilities and the many energies in my body today. Some of us joke, we were talking about old age in the kitchen and how now we like reach for a cup in the cupboard and it's like, Oh my God, (laughs) we pull a muscle, you know, old age. (laughs) I am of the nature to have ill health. There is no way to escape having ill health. May I learn to offer tender care to myself when I am sick, in my body, in my mind. May I hold myself with kindness and reverence. Yeah. I am of the nature to die. There is no way to escape death. No matter what, myself and this universe does have its limits. May I take good care of this moment So the future moments of letting go and transitions have as much peace and ease as possible. That's what I would say. All that is dear to me and everyone I love are of the nature to change. There's no way to escape being separated from that, from them. May I be present and awake 
to treasure the many gifts that are surrounding me each day, every day. May I be there for all that is so dear to me and appreciate each other while we are together, no matter how fleeting our time may be. My actions are my only true belongings, is how Thich Nhat Hanh says it. My actions are my only true belongings. So what are we going to pack in that suitcase? (laughs) I cannot escape the consequences of my actions. My actions are the ground upon which I stand. May my practice nourish wholesome seeds for to care for many suffering so that the actions of my body, my mind, my speech may be wholesome and in good service to myself and to others. So when Buddha spoke of these five remembrances, he said they were subjects for contemplation. We should just contemplate them. They were intended to be memorized, to be recited, and sometimes sung. It's nice to sing them. You can try. And when we internalize them, they become a touchstone, a constant reminder of ourself, of what the nature of everything is. Like everyone next to you, everything you look at. In the story of the, um, you know, the first three, old age, sickness, and death, are what drove the Buddha to become the Buddha. In the story of the Buddha's life, when he was Prince Siddhartha, he had a very sheltered life and and privileged and sheltered. And I, I can relate to that. You know, not hearing about anything, not encountering. My parents really wanted to protect me and not have me go through what they did, a war, you know, and being in a, a war and raised in countries that were under persecution. And um, so he snuck out because he, he was like, what is beyond my compound, <laughs> Right? his comfortable surroundings, his protected life. He was 29. Anybody 29? Okay. So that's you right now. 29. You know, that's 29. (laughs) When he first ventured unchaperoned beyond the compound of his home. Okay, so can you imagine that? Nowhere else. And everything he, if he did go out, everything was cleaned up on the path, made sure that he saw nothing that didn't disturb anything, according to someone. (laughs) And um, when we went to the Met, there was an image of the horses, remember? The horses coming out of the palace, so his horse. So he got his attendant, Chana, to say, like, get the horse ready. We're splitting. And so there's this image in the um, Met of uh, these bodhisattvas holding the horse up so nobody would hear clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop as he snuck out. 
I never saw that before. But these were these, these pivotal calls before he woke up, his old age, Nicholas and death. And then he did come across very quickly a decrepit person, an old person, a sick person, and a corpse, and a mendicant. And so there's a, in a passage he writes in the, of that moment in the Anguttara uh, Sutta, Buddha says, There are three divine messengers, O monks. What three? Have you ever seen in the world a person at 80, 90, or 100 years aged and as crooked as a roof bracket, doubled up, supported by a walking stick, tottering, frail, youth gone, teeth broken, gray-haired, scanty-haired, bald, wrinkled, with limbs all bocce and blotchy? And did it never occur to you, an intelligent and mature person, I am subject to aging. I am not exempt from old age, from sickness. And it went on. Similar observations uh, regarding each of one of those. And after Buddha saw these things, as he went outside the temple, he kept asking Chana, his attendant, he'd see the old person, he'd say, me too? Me too? Am I subject to that? And Chana would go, you too. So this was the first Me Too movement. (laughs) Each one. A corpse. Me too? I, I will be like that? You too. You too. Me too. But Buddha continues, I tell you, this is not something as something I heard from another recluse or Brahmin. I tell you, this is something I have actually known, seen, and discovered by myself. My first um, caretaking job at the monastery when I went for a retreat was um, into residency was, first I had a chip, <laughs> you're going to look, the monastery was a camp prior to becoming the monastery. And we have the same dining room tables as when it was a camp. And my job was to take a chisel and chip chewing gum off the bottom, the undersides of the table. Um, I thought, okay, this is an interesting program. Um, Gum from the 70s in a big pile. Next job I had was to dig a grave for a young boy who took his life. I had not been to a a funeral. I was just turned 30. I still hadn't been to a funeral. I never saw a person who was dead. I saw animals. I lost plenty of those. Not a person. I didn't see this person. But I was like digging a grave by myself up in our cemetery, finding rocks, and just like, feeling that, you know, and I was like, oh, I think I'm in the right practice. But I did tell my teacher after that, 
I said I thought I was in the wrong practice because I hadn't seen that. And Daido Roshi said to me, don't worry, you will. So we encounter these messengers daily, but do we recognize it? It's undeniable in a human path. There's another sutra called the Deva Dutta Sutta. Deva is divine and Dutta is messenger, divine messenger. And it speaks of five divine messengers. In addition to the old person, a sick person, a corpse, it includes a newborn, a helpless infant, as a reminder of rebirth or unwholesome actions in the past, and a tortured person after committed an evil, committing an evil deed. And a somewhat humorous take on the term Devaduta, which is divine messenger, is in a sutra where the Buddha tells, tells the story of a righteous king named Makahadeva, whose barber, following um, the king's earlier instructions, says upon seeing the first gray hairs appearing in the king's head, the divine messengers have appeared, sire. Gray hairs are to be seen growing in your majesty's head. (laughs) I love that. And they've also been referred to as inspirational reminders, high callings, wise reaching outs. So the gray hairs on King Makadeva's are wise reaching outs to all of us, as well as to all that we witness about old age, sickness, and death. Of course, the conditions and the time of their arrival are unpredictable, and we can't control their arrival, though don't we try our hardest? (laughs) There's a great industry of putting off old age, sickness, and death to keep them unseen, unfaced. But they will arrive. And that's where we have a choice to be resentful, dreading their arrival, or to meet them compassionately. And then there was this other messenger from to the Buddha, to Siddhartha. He, he saw a shramana, which is a renunciate, a monastic. And Sid was kind of blown away, excuse me, I call him Sid, was kind of blown away at just watching this person walk and handle things and their food. They seemed so at peace. And they were like, what is this person doing? Who are they? radiant face, you could feel the stillness in their movement. He said, me too? Me too? What's the matter? Oh. And don't we have those moments where we rub with certain people and we feel that peace, that they settle us, Right? We could just, we, we feel like their groundedness, their at-homeness, 
And that so affected Prince Siddhartha. It's like a Buddha nature completely meets Buddha nature. It reminded me of this time. um, Many years ago, I lived at the temple six months of the year. And there was only three of us here in residency. And um, we managed to cover enough positions to do service. One person on instrumentalist and one person on the Makugyo. And I was officiating. And as I'm, we're starting the Heart Sutra, these two over here are like staring like this. And I was just like, what the heck's going on? I didn't turn around. And I suddenly smelled alcohol really strongly. We used to leave the doors open so service could go out on the streets. So I proceeded. I did, you know, bows came up. When I came back, a gentleman was standing behind me with his hands in gusho. And now I realize what, why their eyes were bugging out. And I thought, that was so beautiful. He's just, where? And I didn't want to want him to move, but I, I could smell him. He was loaded. He was, his eyes were just red, but he had a sparkle, right? So we did the whole service. And then at the end, he said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, 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 let's go out there. And, he, and we were real close. And he said, do you believe in God? And I looked at him and I said, I'm looking at him. And his eyeballs really went like, and he just like broke through and he just smiled so big. He was just like, and he bowed and he left. Yeah. And if we have all these five with us, there's no need for any more teaching. That's it. It's all we need to remember. These five things. It's complete. It's Buddhism at its very, very, very best. Perfectly clear, perfectly compassionate, perfectly concise. And you can't argue with it. <laughs> oh my God. Try. No fights. So as we look at anyone we meet, the person next to you now, who we pass in the street, who's on every subway, our aging parents, we can look at them and remember, oh, 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 you too. Everyone is subject to this. Everyone. So it just makes you think about me, at least, about my actions, my little snarky comments and sarcasms. And do I want to be left with that, to continue with that? My actions are my true belongings. It speaks about karma. What we make of ourself through our body, through how we use our mind, through how we think, actions, speech, how I talk. One of Dogen's, in Dogen's teachings, he says, the meaning of what we do is expressed complete in what we do. What we do is the thing. And we will not always see what our actions do. We may not see the results. 
your life, my life is being expressed 100% right now. It just looks like this. No backstory, just this. There's no other thing we don't see. There's not some other version, the complete me over there after I'm done this, the complete you. This is the culmination of our lives, sitting and breathing right here, just like this. And these reminders from the Buddha are just saying, remember, just remember what's, what's happening. When you say to somebody, what's happening? We know what's happening. It's not somewhere out there, not something to come. It's now. And so we can let these soak in our, through our skin, be the air that we breathe, metabolize. And then whatever actions you choose will come from this place of honesty and transparency. We have that in mind. And we've always known them because they've always been true. But best to remind ourselves anyway. As Dogen writes in the fascicle, Birth and Death, when there is nothing we hate and nothing to cling to, then for the first time we enter the heart of the Buddha. And I'll end with a prayer. But there is this poem I saw, I think I've read it before on the subway, which I, every time I see it, it just tickles me, so. I once looked in the mirror and saw a face. The face was staring back. I asked, what are you doing here? They asked the same thing. May we allow the world to flow and our lives to flow and change. May we learn how to let go with grace and with ease. May we treasure what is here while it is here. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be free from all harm. Thank you for listening. To find out more about the Zen Center of New York City's programs, retreats and residency, please visit our website at zmm.org slash zcnyc.